could I come to faith logically because I'm a logical person and I I like to un fully understand what I'm getting into and I, I don't get into things lightly about that. So um, through the Alpha Course, I was able to come to faith in a logical enough manner that allowed me to be open to the experiences that aren't so logical, but they do happen. On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, Brain Changer. Oh my goodness, you're in for a treat. This candid conversation with author Victoria J. Jaila Maldonado took as many twists and turns as the plots in her novels. That's right. We unraveled so much more than her love for writing and her passion for Jesus. We discussed how she somewhat logically came to know God. And we unpack the importance of asking questions as you seek Him. It was just a delightful chat, and you're going to love every moment. And be sure to stay tuned to the very end because, man, we go deep with some really important and hard-hitting questions about our faith. And you're going to want to catch the entire unedited video conversation on YouTube. The links, everything are all in the show notes. And listen to this. I want you to give her some love and check out our books. Again, the links are in the notes. But aren't you looking for entertainment that's filled with Christian values and that are clean? Well, look no further. Check out her work as well as she even has kids books. So you're not going to want to miss it. So let's just jump right in. Thank you for tuning in and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. There's someone on the show that I've just recently kind of met through email and her name is Victoria. And I love our names because it means victory. And we each have our own victory stories and kind of what that means. And when I say that, I'm thinking of victory in Jesus, victory in Christ, victory as a Christian, you know, living that victorious Christian life, so to speak. But today, Victoria is going to share a little bit of her journey with us. But first, I'd like to welcome you, Victoria. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then I want to read some of her, of her bio so you get a good idea of, of who she is. Victoria J. Hyla Maldonado has been writing all her life and has worked professionally as a writer and editor for more than 20 years. She's the author of the Substantive that's hard to say. Okay. Women's. What do you mean by that? Like because it's a trilogy, it's substantive. Um, it's it's uh it's in technically the romance genre because yeah. there is romance, but it's substantive in the fact that it goes into the depth of the characters' stories. It's more important oh. about the the female characters' journeys than it is the romantic scenes. Um, so that's what I mean. Substantive. It's just you know, more meat for your buck. And it's not just about the, you know, Romance. sex and stuff. So. Gotcha. So substantive, mm -hmm. substantive is how you said that. Yeah. It's so much easier to say that way. <laughs> okay. Substantive. Thank you. 
All right. So of that women's fiction, and this is the trilogy, Hearts Drawn Wild, W-Y-L-D. And then you also write children's books. And do you have a favorite of the children's books that you've written, Victoria? Um, really? I mean, my Bartleby the Brave, which is the bird one, that was my first one. And that's um, kind of the most celebrated. But my favorite is this new one called Tears for the Butterfly, which is actually kind of a faith Jesus journey metaphor. Yes. So um, that's, I'm, I'm really enjoying the results of that. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Okay. So you, are you still living in Chicago? The Chicago Western Atlanta, suburbs yeah. of, mm -hmm. okay, of Chicago. And how many children do you have? I have twins that just turned six and I have a stepson who's 15. Oh, wow. Okay. And so let's see, you're, you're working now on the new romance trilogy, mm -hmm. several other short stories and more children's books, as you say. And you have a newsletter that we can all sign up for at victoriajhyla.com slash news. And I'll have you um, reiterate that maybe toward the end as well for folks who come in a little bit later. So um, let's just start then with what captured my attention as I was reading through your material and came across came across your uh, you know your request to be on the show and you said that you spent 30 years of your life as an atheist and agnostic so just to refresh in everybody's mind on those two terms an atheist is an individual who believes there's absolutely no God, that God does not exist. Like, you know, we're, um, well, I don't know how to take it further from there, but. Just and randomly then, existing in the natural world. Okay. Evolution, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And then an agnostic individual believes in God, a God and entity. Yeah. but doesn't really go further from that uh, believes in that there could be a higher power but doesn't believe in all the trappings of religion and all of the things that go along with it gotcha mm -hmm. okay so that's where you were you say you've made an amazing and at times traumatic journey to faith which is now a huge part of your life yeah. so tell us about that i would love to hear your your personal testimony and and if you can dig into that a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, I mean, I was baptized Catholic as a baby, but that didn't exactly mean anything to me. And my family pretty much stopped going to church when I was about nine. Um, I'm not exactly sure why we stopped going, um, but because we stopped going, it made me think and believe like, well, this doesn't matter. Obviously, it's not part of our lives. Um, but then um, in middle school, I got a little dark with some poetry and that kind of things. And I was actually attacked by people claiming that they were Christians. Um, and they're like, you're going to hell and you, because you don't go to church and you're dark and whatever, like you're just ultimately going to hell. I'm like, well, that's rude. And um, that was my first introduction to people that self-identified as Christians. And so I <clears throat> quite understandably fought back against that. <clears throat> and so um, I started to be kind of combative with anybody who ever pushed religion on me because of those early experiences. And, um, and I just, um, decided, Hey, it's all a bunch of crap. These people are idiots and it doesn't make sense. This is logic. This is not. Um, and because they had been mean to me, I kind of rebelled against it. Um, and that basically took me through the better part of 30 years. 
Um, I mean, it was just part, not part of my life and anyone who ever tried to talk about it, I would be against them. Um, but it kind of, depending on my point in life, it vacillated between atheist and agnostic. Um, sometimes it would be like, no, it can't possibly even be a God. And then um, the agnostic part was like, okay, maybe there's a God, but psh, I don't care. Um, and so that was pretty much a lot of my life. Um, then I had a very traumatic personal life situation um, where I basically hit rock bottom. Um, I was married previously and I had an affair. And because of that, I just kept spiraling downward and downward and downward. Um, and people have asked me if I had had faith at that point, would things have been different? I can't even say yes or no, because it just wasn't even in the conversation. Um, so, but basically I went from that to Texas where I entered into emotionally and um, mentally abusive relationship um, that really hit me to rock bottom. And eventually I was able to bring myself out of that and come back to the Chicagoland area. And that's where I met my now husband. Um, and he was um, on Christian Mingle, which is an online dating um, site. I was absolutely nowhere near it. And the database has decided to cross, I don't know. Um, and so we started hanging out and, and stuff like that. He's like, oh, so you're a Christian. I'm like, excuse me, what? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> and, um, but then if he was going to a church and he invited me to go. I obviously didn't want to go, but um, it was important to him. And so I went and I was very like closed off. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wouldn't engage with anyone. Um, and eventually I stopped going because I was starting to be very uncomfortable with it. Um, now I realized I was uncomfortable because it was affecting me. <laughs> then I would have thought, oh, I just don't like this. Um, but everyone there was lovely. It's just, I didn't want to be affected by it. Um, and then um, over the next course of the next year, um, eventually I'm, I realized he was missing going to church because he stopped going because I was uncomfortable with it. Um, but then I realized he was missing it. So I'm like, okay, if you want to go, I'll go fine. Um, but then little by little things started to hit me. Um, there was one particular speaker at church who told a backstory similar enough to mine that was like, huh, I might not be a lost cause. Um, and then I was directing a, a play for the community and everything was going wrong. And we were at church one time and there was a charity that needed funds. And I'm like, oh, we could get this charity and donate our funds to it. Um, but then the play was outside and it was supposed to downpour all weekend. And I was freaking out about it. So the production was Friday and Saturday and it was a Thursday night. I'm standing in my living room and I speak up to the ceiling. I say, God, if you want me to go on this journey in any way, shape or form, you best not make it rain. And I said those exact words. It did not rain for the production. It poured all morning on Friday, did not rain for the production, poured all night, poured all morning, no rain for, for the production, poured after. I don't know, but that got me to start going to church regularly because I was like, wow, okay, that can't be all coincidence. Um, and then later that fall, we did a program called Alpha. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Alpha course, um, international course um, about asking questions. And um, again, I was very competitive. I was very honest about my beliefs when I was going through the Alpha course. And, you know, afterwards, they loved me for it. 
but, um, but yeah, no, I was like, well, I don't get any of this. This doesn't make sense. This is what I've always believed. And they were willing through that course to let me process it on my own as I was learning. Mm -hmm. And then when we went on the alpha weekend um, for the course, um, I had a real and true encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Um, I finally allowed myself to let it in and had a real visceral experience um, with that kind of um, like an ice shield or a rock shield just crashing down around me and then let in the Holy Spirit. And my life has been completely changed since that point. Um, it still took me a while to get baptized. Um, and another thing we were going through was infertility and I now have twins. So um, there's a lot of signs pointing me to it and Alpha Real is really my turning point, but I've stuck with it. Now I lead Alpha at my church. I give back to the community. I help others find their way back to God. It's super important in my journey. And I actually include it in a lot of my books. How do you include that in your books, by the way? It's, I mean, it's kind of metaphorical in the, in the bigger novels. Um, but the third one in my trilogy, Awaken Elysian Fields, really speaks to that. It's basically the concept of you can go through really dark times in your life and it doesn't have to define you. It, you use those dark periods and those dark times to build yourself back up to be the person that you're meant to be. And that was kind of pivotal in my, my, tran my transition um, was owning the fact that I could be loved despite all of the negatives and the detriments that I'd been through. Um, so I include that kind of theming in the book. And then in my Tears for the Butterfly book, um, this butterfly goes around to different animals and has love and compassion and empathy and just kind of gets them to shift their perspective on how they see the world. And the, so it's kind of um, a Jesus message in a, in a loving way. So. Right. Got it. Mm -hmm. Sounds so powerful. And a moment ago, you said, I might not be a lost cause. That was a thought that you must have engaged and I think when you heard this particular testimony that you referred to, you related and you thought, okay, then I'm, I'm must not be a lost cause. Can, can you tell us about maybe other thoughts that you were processing that other than the, the thoughts of how you were treated as a Christian, say, any other thoughts you had that you had to kind of come face to face with? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of questions about whether I, whether I was worthy enough mm. to be loved. Um, because, I mean, I, I did adultery. Like, I did some very bad, you know, deviant spiral down behavior related to that. And, I mean, there's that phrase, like, in for a penny, in for a pound. So, I'm like, well, I've already broken that. I might as well go in for everything. Um, but mm. it was, like, completely self-destructive. So, with that in my past, I can't change it, but, and I, I could acknowledge it and I can get past it. And when I realized through faith that I could get past that, that was so empowering and so liberating that I could be loved, you know, by someone as amazing as Jesus. And then the people surrounding or that follow him that, you know, walk in his world. So that was, that was earth shattering for me. So a lot of it was self-worth. Um, a lot of it was, um, could I, come to faith logically because I'm a logical person and I I like to un fully understand what I'm getting into and I'm, I don't get into things lightly about that so um through the alpha course I was able to come 
to faith in a logical enough manner that allowed me to be open to the experiences that aren't so logical, but they do happen. So like the miracle with the rain and, and a bunch of other things too, it's, it's allowed me, I can come to it logically and understand that this is the truth. And in that sense, that opens me up to see the, the wonderfulness of the rest of it. Our stories are kind of similar in that you are very logical. And I would say I am too kind of heady or intellectual and I like things to make sense. But for me personally, my heart changed first and it was after the conversion, then I was on this incredible mission to allow my head to catch up with what had happened in my heart Mm -hmm. as I was an adult. I was in my thirties at the time. So it's so funny that, and you know what, maybe, maybe I also was longing for that kind of logical stuff first, Mm -hmm. but you know, for whatever reason, it happened heart first for me. And then the head caught up because I needed to have reasons for, you know, what happened and how would I articulate this and how would I explain this and what does this mean? And okay, there's Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark and Jonah in the fit. How do I put all of that together really? And so it, that's so curious. We, I, I talk somewhat, not a lot, but about shame and guilt and those kinds of emotions and how they really do trap us. And, you know, I, I think I hear you saying a little bit, you, you were feeling some of that in even the feelings of not being worthy or not feeling worthy of God's love. That's actually an otherwise common feeling or emotion to have as a result of some of our actions. It's, it's normal and natural. And in a way, it's really God-given. Some would say, well, that's God-given. If we didn't have guilt or shame, then, well, especially guilt, then, you know, if we never felt guilty about anything we did, it, we, it could be a really, really, really bad world to live in. So thank goodness we have a conscience. Thank goodness that we can feel those things. But there is that fine line between guilt and shame. I mean, the guilt is guilt. You feel guilt for doing something. Shame is feeling that guilt for being something. Right. Um, and I, I had that shame so much. It was, it was intense. And letting finally being able to let go of that was just the most liberating thing like when I got baptized I wrote a testimony it was read to the whole church and I had detail I mean nothing gross but I got but you know but detail about like why I was you know coming to this point in my life um and I just laid it all out there because I needed to find that unburdening and I felt nothing but love coming back at me and Sam, we've been, I've been able to move forward and become that different person, that new person I needed to be. So yeah, but getting rid of that shame piece is huge and no one can tell you how to do it. Right. It just, you got to work your way through it. And I'm not even sure exactly the process, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge to work through. So. Yeah. And, and no matter what that experience is, no matter what anyone's done, the, the actual act or transgression, sin, missing the mark, iniquity, whatever we want to call it, is really not so much the focal point as much as God can use those things, even those deep, dark feelings of shame that we may have, he can use those actually to draw 
us to him. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very mysterious in a way, but nothing is wasted. And God uses all of these things. I'm curious about your husband, though. What did what was his response as all of this is unfolding in your life as he's watching this? He was um, amused most of the time because that's just him. But um, I mean, because the one thing about him is that he didn't, he never pushed me into it. He presented going to church, he presented his faith, he presented stuff, and then just kind of let me pick it for myself. If he had been pushy, I probably would have treated him, treated him like any other person who'd ever been pushy to me. Um, but because he put it there, but then just kind of let me simmer on it. Um, that was very crucial to my journey, I think. Um, but it, like every little step that I had, whether it was taking communion for the first time or actually talking to somebody at church or um, actually standing for music or actually singing or actually raising my hands to sing, every little step of it, he's just like, like what's happening, you know? And, but in a, in a super positive way, which is great. Um, and then, yeah, but he's, he's been enjoying it a lot. So it's, it's neat. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the, or your opinion anyway, about the importance of asking questions and challenging these beliefs and stories or occurrences what is the big deal with asking questions? Why is it important? And kind of piggyback to that, as Christians and in a church setting, why is it probably 10 billion times more important to have it in, in our organized churches? What do you think Absolutely. about that? Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly think that asking questions is important. It's so important. I actually put it on my arm. So, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, because I mean, for, for me personally, I had to be able to ask the questions because I'm not just, just going to believe something because one person tells me that it's true. I need to ask the question in a way that then my brain can work itself around the answer. And yeah, there's some questions that are obvious, like, who are the first two people named in the Bible? Duh. That's not really it. It's more of the big questions. It's kind of like, well, even some of the most basic questions that people don't even think to ask, like, why did Jesus die for us? That was a huge question and something I didn't quite understand before that. It took me forever to wrap my head around how Jesus could have died for me personally. But th those are some of the questions I was able to ask um, throughout my journey and asking those big, confusing, open-ended, really, there's not a super concrete answer questions. Those I think are so helpful. Um, our world is different than the world of the Bible when it was written. So there's a lot of things that we need to, again, wrap our heads around today by asking questions. Um, that we need to somehow make make sense because some of the things we, we're just not going to relate to because it was in that culture in that time and so for like for me asking questions is is super important just for the understanding piece but also in a church setting like you were saying in the second part of your question I think that everyone asks questions is important because we need to understand why we're believing what we're believing why it's important to believe those things not just you should believe this because that is how it is 
that to me has a sour note. And that's what I found through Catholicism personally, um, not to knock the Catholic church, but it's like, for me, it just, it felt um, very cold and do this and go away. And that's just how it felt to me. But um, because of, we can ask questions to our leadership in our church, we can ask questions to the people that we respect in our church and they will come back with answers. They'll, sometimes they come back with scripture. Sometimes they come back with metaphor story that will relate it to our lives. And I think that's super important um, just to be transparent because you shouldn't have this mindless flock following you because you say it is what it is. For me, the questions are the thing. And if you're not able to ask those questions, you're going to ask your questions somewhere else. So I don't know, that's kind of rambling, but yeah, no, I get it. And you and I are just peas in the peas in a pot because I think questions are so terribly important. Authenticity and even in our prayer life with the Lord to be ourselves, he knows us anyway, but to just show up and be real. And the more we ask questions, the more we're actually engaging our brain anyway. It's such a good thing because our brain wants to find answers and will kind of help us in that pursuit. And by asking, we're stimulating, we're thinking, we're longing for answers and your, your brain just jumps on that wagon as well. And I think that for me personally, I think I bugged people a lot in my church when I was asking so many questions. It, it, it like Victoria, you know, I couldn't get enough information. I was going through all the videos in our library, in our church library. I mean, I, think I, I went to the men's ministry even to just keep getting getting more and more. I just it's like I need more input, more input, more input. And of course, I was reading the scriptures and doing Bible studies and just trying to learn. I had I felt like I had so much to learn. Learn. It was fascinating and interesting, and I wanted to know. But then there are those questions that are much more difficult to wrap, to grapple with, and to wrestle with. And I've learned personally that I don't ask why so much anymore, because a why question for me, I could get a little bit indignant almost in my approach, even to God, you know, the why me, why now, why this, why not that, that why we, we, so we want to know why we want the, we want the reason we want to make everything fit together. And I think sometimes the pieces may not really fit for as much as we may try or intend or research or anything else, they may not really come together until we're on the other side. And, and I just can accept that now because I love and I trust the Lord and I don't feel such a compulsion to understand why anymore so much more. But let's say right now we have a listener or a viewer because thank you for tuning into YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, if you, if, if this individual came to you, Victoria, and said, you know, I'm, I'm just struggling because I can't get my mind around the fact that Jesus died for me. What would you say to them? Oh, um, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trained to answer questions with questions because of Alpha. So I'm like trying to get uh -oh. away from that. Yeah, um, no, that's my job. Like, <laughs> yeah, to, to like to the Alpha person who would come to say that it's like, why wouldn't Jesus have died for you? I mean, you, you think about it, 
his sacrifice has no actual, I mean, it's one point in time, the actual physical thing, but it was done to kind of reset the clock and to give us all a chance. And the point in time that you accept the fact that Jesus died for you is when your life changes. And so why did Jesus die for you? So you could have that choice to embrace him and to open that door to faith and to love and to acceptance. And so that's why Jesus did what he did is to create that um, opening, I guess. I keep going to go back to the door. There's a famous painting that we talk about in Alpha, but um, but yeah, it's just to get that turn. Cause I mean, like they said, Jesus won't, won't push on you. God won't push on you. It's, it's up to you to understand that it's there understand that the death was for you and be able to embrace that and it opens your world immeasurably it's just it's just the really fascinating and I can't ever go back because of what I've gained from it and um so I hope that that answers a little bit okay so then what if the individual would say this something along the lines okay I get that Jesus died and it was for humanity and mankind, humankind, so to speak, but that he died for me in the 21st century, you know, I was born in this year, and Jesus wasn't even born then, and or none of that happened, so how did he die for me individually? How might you answer that? And that is a very confusing question, and one that I struggle with for years and years and years, um, so yeah, the temporal shift is, is the problem. And that is, is really hard to get yourself around. Um, I'm trying to think how we, how we talk about it all the time. Like I have an answer, but I'm like, I'm not able to pull it out in my, my Oh, that's right okay. Now. I'm really putting you on the spot only because yeah. I'm loving, I'm going to have to look up this alpha thing. It seems yeah. like I would it's probably amazing. love that. And, and it's good for people who have been in faith a long time. And it's good for people who are outside the faith. That's oh, absolutely. So, I mean, they talk about this and there's one metaphor they say is that like, if Jesus were a piece of paper or no, wait, Yes. If Jesus were a piece of paper, no, Jesus is a book. You're a piece of paper. Okay. And once your piece of paper goes into the book, the same thing that happens to the book happens to the piece of paper. Okay. And so if you are walking with Jesus, you are understanding what he went through his sacrifice and what that means for you. Cause you can be part of that book. You're part of that story because the book is literally still being written. I mean, we're in those in-between times, you know, before revelation and we have the ability to walk with him. And he's very much like real and alive through the Holy Spirit. I fully believe that. And so, um, and that's, I mean, it's so hard temporally because we're like, we're one point in time. Jesus was another point in time. How does that make sense? I understand that. I mean, that is, that is really hard to understand. Um, a lot of it's faith. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's a, that's kind of a hard question. I'm even thinking, okay, Victoria, me, like, how would you answer that, Victoria, if someone asked you that? Yeah. And, you know, I might also say something along the lines that, well, you know, it, one thing I found hard in apologetics or defending my faith is that we, I start with the Bible. I believe the scripture and 
sometimes people, when they have questions, they don't believe that the Bible is the word of God or that it's inerrant, the inerrant word of God, and that it is eternal and it is alive and active and transformational. And, you know, they don't believe that it's authentic or true. And eh, that's just an old book that was written. And so they don't examine the archaeology and the extant resources. And, you know, they may not even know about that. They may not even know who wrote the Bible as far as like how many authors were involved. And And that was a huge stepping point for myself was mm -hmm. learning the the meat and the the mechanics of the Bible, because I'm like, yeah, right. Well, people wrote it. How can it be God's word? But like through Alpha, they they have a whole night on, on the Bible alone. And um, that's helped me kind of grip around that. There's what, 60 plus authors and learning that the different books of the Bible are written for different purposes, for different people at different points in time. That is a huge game changer to kind of understanding it and that it is God inspired. I mean, I, I think that's true because it is, it's the story of God you know, told through people and these texts were corroborated. The the textual criticism science behind it is insane once you dive into it. Um, and how many copies of the Bible there were at such a short time after it's written versus other texts we just take as fact. So I mean, yeah, all this is in Alpha too. That's why yeah, it's very wonderful. That's and that's wonderful. And I remember when, and I thought I was a Christian for years before I actually was converted. I had my like experience with Christ and and really meeting Him and surrendering my life at, at this marked point in my life. And I can remember thinking that I had gone to church a lot and. I, I didn't, wasn't really into my Bible that much. I didn't, I couldn't have told you really who the apostle Paul was. I had no idea. He wrote so many of the books and that I, but it was fascinating to then look at the Bible in a whole new way and with better, much better and deeper understanding as a, as a resource, as a compilation it was mind boggling to me because I, I just would say the Bible and you kind of say the Bible. OK, let's put it with anything else. It's just a book, but it's so much so many books yeah. in the Bible. And it's so a library just unto it itself, is, which is. Really yes. Cool. Yeah. So coming back to how I might answer that question with, you know, I would I think I would be so tempted to lean on what I know from the Bible and what the Bible says about itself and that God is, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the middle and the end. He's everything. Jesus, he was, he is, will be. It's that strange divine kind of recipe or description that is is so hard to imagine but to personalize the experience and how the beauty how there's such beauty in knowing that God has his eyes on me Victoria Walker mm-hmm. Victoria Maldonado he Heil he has his eyes on individuals on us because his word says that and then not only does it his word say that but his word goes so far he go god create goes so far as to prove it by sending jesus that kind of sacrifice that kind of sealing it all with i love you i created you i love you i give you a purpose and a meaning 
I long to have communion with you. I want these wonderful things for you in your life. You're going to have trials and hardships, but I'm going to be with you. And I've got all bases covered. I've creator God. I've given you the spirit, this great guide and comforter that you can have now in the here and now. I prove my love to you. I've proven it to you through the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So for individually, so if you can kind of grab hold of that big ball of stuff, and then you begin to read what the Bible says about us individually, it's just almost too good to be true. Now, it, it doesn't, of course, stop with who God says we are, but it, he also tells us how to behave and how to conduct our lives and Jesus was a servant leader. We're to serve just like you, Victoria, serving in your church and leading up the, the alpha ministry and so forth. It's not just about me suddenly being happy and, oh, I'm saved. Now it's good. Let me just sail on. It's, it's I love when people talk about that because, yeah, it's, I mean, and they make, there's a metaphor that they say. It's like, it's not when you, when a baby is born, you don't just say, okay, all good. Bye. Bye, baby. You're good. <laughs> right. I mean, you have to nurse it, you have to um, teach it, you have to learn, you have to grow, you have to change, you have to mature. And that's like becoming a Christian too. It's not just, hey, I'm perfect, I'm fabulous. Um, and a lot of people have that that misnomer, like, like churches, a lot of people think that in church you have to be perfect or pretend you're perfect or pretend you have it all together. And it's actually the complete opposite. Churches are the hospitals for the sick. The churches are places where people go who don't have it all together, who don't think that they, they have all the answers, who want to be in that community that offers support and converse and, you know, all kinds of things around this wonderful, very confusing topic that you can study all your life and still not completely understand. And I'm a complete control freak in my regular life, <laughs> but for some reason with faith, I'm completely the opposite. There's a few things that I needed to understand very succinctly to grab on, but then I'm just like, let it go because I know to trust in God and that even if something bad goes on, you touched on this before, like even if something is bad in my life, there's gotta be a purpose for it. Or if God's like saying, no, not right now, there has to be a purpose for it. So I've learned to step back and say, okay, what lesson am I supposed to be learning from this little setback right now? And where does that mean I should be going? Yeah. So once you get that kind of ment mentality, it helps a lot to shift your perspective. Mm -hmm. Sounds like wisdom to me. That sounds Maybe. like wisdom speaking. <laughs> yes, it does. And well, gosh, you know, I never, I think I got more than I bargained for chatting with you because I, I love to, to talk about these kinds of things. And I think it's important for, for all of us as Christians to know that we, we never quite arrive, that we can look at, at other Christians, even, even our friends, I mean, they, oh, they've got their lives all together and it's all tied up nicely and looks really pretty on the outside. But I don't want anybody to ever look at me like that. And I, not that I'm going to be like self-deprecating or something or yeah, no, but just the, the humanity that's involved in being a Christian and the frailty that, that I have. Yes, I know God is my strength, but that doesn't mean sometimes I don't feel like I am 
losing it or yeah, and that's like one of the that's like one of the things that we we have in alpha is that i mean I, they call me the alpha mama it's just a funny thing um because i'm kind of in charge of it but i'm like i get looked at oh she's the leader but then in discussions i prove to them like we don't have it all together i still have questions things i think about i can walk you through the process of my thinking on some of the things i believe I've figured out, but I'm not an authority, but it, it's that humanity. Like you're saying, it's that, that humanness of we're not going to figure it all out until we're done here. And that's both terrifying and beautiful all in the same place because I, I'm like, and that's my control freak, non-control freak <laughs> personality dichotomy. And cause like, I mean, I don't necessarily have fear about dying because like, it'll happen when it happens. I trust that God has a plan for that. And when it's done, I'll get to understand it all. And that's a beautiful thing. I, I can try to understand what I can in this life and I will do my best to understand everything I can. But if I don't get it all and I don't get it all right, so be it. It's really not for me to, to do. <laughs> right. I love it. I just love it. This is just so delightful. And I'm especially encouraged or uh, what's the word? Impressed, I think is my word, that, that you also bring your faith into the writing god has gifted you as a writer you love writing you say you've been writing all your life this <laughs> sounds like me i'm kind of the same way i'm in I'm the, the first book i ever wrote right here <laughs> first, i was nine. Oh my goodness i love it i love it um yeah, my daughter is, a, I think she's a writer, wonderful writer also. And I've got a few of her little books like that, or at least one I can think of. And, but, um, you know, what a, what a wonderful thing to be able to use your gifts and talents in a way that puts a little bit of, quote, goodness out into the, into the world and into the hands of folks who are hungry for, for wholesome literature and, um, I applaud you for that. I think it's it's impressive that you and you may not be overt in in some of what you write, but at least you are echoing the sentiments of a from a Christian worldview. And so I thank you for that, really, for doing that. So any last remarks, anything that you would like to share? Um, no, I mean, just to people who are, you know, walking in faith, you know, just realize it's never done and that you can always be more connected or do something else, but it's not about the accomplishments that you make. It's more of just doing your best to try to be the person that Jesus would want you to be and who Jesus would, you know, want you to exemplify, I guess. Cause he, he I mean, he was uh, around all the people that needed him the most. He was around the sick. He was around the sinners. He was around, mm. you know, the tax collectors or, or, you know, all the people who, you know, most of us in modern society would relegate like, mm, I don't want to be around you. But yeah, but those are the people just keep your heart open um, to trying to understand other people. I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect at that. I'm, I work at that. Um, but yeah, just trying to, to make sure that you're staying open and realizing that love is the most powerful thing on the planet. Um, and love is a pure God thing. So once you get your head around that concept, it just, things start to fall into place. Um, yeah, and just have fun with it. 
That's right. And when we trip, because we may trip occasionally, we just get up, dust off, take our stand and then go, go at it again, because we're all, we're all running the race and we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that we couldn't ask God. And that would be another element. I know we like to go to other people or other, you know, books and YouTube and Google to get our answers. But sometimes the very simplest thing that we could do, and I would encourage any listener or viewer to to do this would be just to reach out to God, to seek him and to ask him. And I, I could almost promise that if you do that from sincerity of your heart, God will reveal himself to you. And he already does reveal himself to us, whether we are agnostic or atheistic, doesn't matter. He reveals himself in many ways to us, even just through his simple, I say simple, but through his creation itself, the majesty of his creation. And that's a wonderful thing. I mean, and I can look back now on the past 20 years of my life and go, oh, that was God, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but it's, it wouldn't have occurred to me at the time and I wouldn't have acknowledged it at the time. But yeah, but he's always there. It's about learning how to see it, learning how to embrace it, learning how to just focus on, I'm not alone in this existence. And yeah, you can be surrounded by people, but you could still feel incredibly alone. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a lot of times when I'll reach out to God is just like, I need to reset. I need to get some peace. And I find God's presence just a really stabilizing force. Um, if I'm going frantic or frustrated, I just sit back and try to get back into that mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so for anyone, it's just, it can be just as so simple, like childlike mm-hmm. to just come to God in that way and just say, if you're there, would you please reveal yourself to me? I need you. I want you. I want to know more. Some of those kinds of statements that we could make and he will rest assured he will, he will hear you and he will draw near when you draw near to him. So and thank the you. Words are not, yeah. The words are not important. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You may be a sobbing mess, you know, <laughs> just flopping around on your floor with a box of yeah, Kleenexes. It. <laughs> it's so okay. <laughs> well, tell everyone how we can connect with you, Victoria. Sure. Yeah. The best place to connect with me is through my website. Okay. It's uh, uh, Victoria J. Hyla, H-Y-L-A.com. Um, that's got all my contact information, all my book information too. Um, and just everything I'm doing and (laughs) going around and being and appearances and all that stuff. So everything's on there, which is a one-stop shop. Okay, perfect. All right. And thank you so much for appearing on this podcast, because I think together you and I are definitely choosing to think. So I'm calling you an official brain changer. (laughs) I'll take it. Yeah. All right. God bless you and your family. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And say, if you like what you hear, please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.